Hey everyone, it's Jerry at the Fledge, and welcome to season two, episode 60 of Every Damn Day. And today we've got our new friend Christine on, and we're going to be talking about her new book, Fuck It, I'm 50, yep. and how we uh, survive the unsurvivable. I love that phrase. So how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. I've, I've watched and listened to so many of these, and then so to finally actually be here. Well, it's exciting for me. We're really happy to have you. You're talking about one of the subjects that we talked about all uh, season, last season, and that is hope. Yes. And I love that word and love that concept. So can't wait to dig into it. So let's start out, though, with uh, tell us about you a little bit. So give us uh, some background. Well, I'm a retired teacher. I taught 30 years all in Mason public schools, nine in elementary, and then I transferred to the middle school. I was not being punished. My mother thought I was being punished, but I actually wanted to go teach middle schoolers and they did not disappoint. Every day was an adventure. Um, as much as I love teaching and I did love teaching, I cartwheeled out on my last day um, because I was excited to have that chapter of my life and to be able to move into something different. Um, and I still have my connection with with students and writing and different things that I do. So now I get to be, I say full time writer, but um, there's so many things that I do. It isn't writing is a big part of a lot of the things that I do. But I um, I have many rescue animals at my house. Uh, all of our animals are rescues. Um, I horseback ride. And um, so I'm, I'm in and involved in a number of different writing groups here and in different areas of the state. And so I want to go back to what your mother said. You were being punished. <laughs> yeah. Was was she a teacher as no, well? No, no. I was actually the first um, the first kid in our family who went went to college and, and did that. Uh, my dad was a child of 15 kids in his family. Uh, my grandpa was a coal miner and um, my mom did um, worked you know right out of high school they got married when my mom was 19 so um, it was always told to me you will go to college we don't care what you do but yeah when I told her I was transferring to the middle school she said I told you you better be careful what you say <laughs> and I said well I said I want to move to the middle school and she said we know there's middle schoolers there I'm like yeah so but I I loved it every day was something new even um, when I was teaching when I finally was able to have just the one prep of eighth grade language arts, every hour was different because just the students make up a different energy and yeah. vibe. And especially when you're being creative like that, yes. when it's not just two plus two equals four and it's a little right. more rigid. The writing, writing and reading is just its own world. And I always told my students, I tell everybody, our words have the power to change the world. And I truly believe that it wasn't just a soundbite that I used to try and trick them into reading or writing. Yeah. Um, but I, I really feel that in my heart. In fact, I have it painted on my staircase going up into my uh, my new brick house studios. Okay. Our words have the power to change the world. I know that a lot of people say, you know, words matter. Yes, That's they a, do. That's a phrase, yeah. but words do matter. They do. Yeah. Written, spoken, they, they matter. Yeah, we see that a lot. 
you know, stigma, for example, yes. like using the word addict versus substance use disorder uh, can really make a difference. Makes a difference. So, yes. Um, tell us about, uh, do you want to start with your new book or you sure. want to start with your whole collection? I, I would love to start with my new book. I love my new book. Um, Fucking I'm 50 is the longest project I've ever worked on. It took me six years to write this. I started it when I was 50 and I'm 56 now, going to be 57 this year. So um, finally figured out after I wrote two full versions of it, that there was actually three main characters. So there's three very um, different women, uh, Becca, Ginny, and Cassie, and they each have their own stories, but their stories merge in and out of each other. And there's a lot of twists and turns in it. And I just love these women. They absolutely kick ass. They are, they are fabulous. So what's, what's it, it's, it's following three women and their stories. Yes. What's, is there a theme there? The theme is it's not the number, it's the attitude because really it doesn't matter if you're 50 or 30 or 70, um, it's really about your attitude and how you go at things. So each of these women are faced with challenges um, from their past and as they move ahead and as they each are coming up into 50, they have to figure out, okay, how do I wanna do this? Where do I want my path to go? And it starts, the opening chapter is, um, Becca is at the local hangout um, bowling alley bar with her boyfriend who's not quality um, while he gets wasted at her 50th and that's where she meets Ginny who's a bartender there and it just goes from there it is it's it's about taking full control of your life and facing the demons from the past not being afraid to do that yeah was this when you turned 50 was that a huge number you to know you? I've never really been hung up on the numbers I mean there's so many people I know they're like, oh, don't ask, don't ask somebody how old they are. And I've never cared about that. Um, it's just there, there seems to be this big, oh, I know so many people are like, oh, I'm going to be 50. I don't. And I'm like, look, what's the alternative? The mm -hmm. alternative is you don't hit that next number. I, I'm not ready for that yet. So bring it. I. Yeah, but then AARP sends you a oh, hundred they, pieces of they mail. Sent, they started sending stuff when I was, you know, in my 40s. So oh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, the women in this book, I still, when I write my stories, it's, it's all about the characters. The characters kind of come into my head and knock around until I finally agree to write their stories. And I know that sounds a little kooky, but that's how it works for me. Yeah. And so these women are still with me when I do my other writing groups and things, they pop up in my stories and, and different things as well. So what are they surviving that's unsurvivable? Well, um, they've each had losses of their own. Um, there is some past um, physical sexual assault trauma for some of them, um, just neglectful, abusive relationships. Um, some there's also just the loss of of parents and important people in their lives that you know sometimes you have a loss and it doesn't really hit you until later and then it hits you and so there's also the the challenge for them of okay so how do i move forward from this do i just sit back and say well this is all i have or fuck it i'm 50 if not now when 
Yeah. yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Um, what's the hope that they all have? The hope is it, this book is really about the power of friendship and leaning into people who have your back and who support you and building up trust so that you can do that with people because it's hard to trust people sometimes, especially if you've been burned in the past. And so there's that powerful connection between women and friendship and, you know, the, the me too movement and just, there's so much in this book that I just, I just, I love this book. I've, yeah. I've known it's, it's been coming for, for so many years and I worked so hard on it um that you know and it's I got just, a swear word in the title and it's well i know and that's another thing my mom will never watch this interview probably but <laughs> she does not appreciate this title um i was driving in my car and she was talking to her uh one day and she, i was like yeah i finally got this done and you know it's gonna be she's like oh she goes what's the title again and i was like well and i kind of paused right because you know uh it's my mom and so i said well actually i said you're probably I said, but the title is Fuck It, I'm 50. And there was a pause and she said, that is not the title of your book. And I said, well, actually it is the title of my book, Mom. And she said, well, I can't imagine that sitting on the my coffee table. And I said, well, then I guess don't buy one, but I know a whole bunch of people that want it just because of the title. So um, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun promoting this. And um, I'm looking forward, we have the big, uh, book launch next Wednesday. Yeah, let's hear some details um, about that real quick. So you had uh, Megan on here um, in February, and Megan is the um, director of the Women's History Museum there on Allegan. And so next Wednesday, March 9th, come on down. Um, I'll have copies of Fuck It, I'm 50, as well as my other books. We're going to have um, other local, we have Isabella Mansfield is going to be reading some of her poetry. Native Child Brown is going to be there doing some of her spoken word. And then um, Marto Matic, who is this just incredibly talented musician, singer. Um, I saw him at one of the Artist Umbrella open mics, mm -hmm. just the, this last one they had, and I said, I have to have you there. So it, it's just going to be a big party. It's going to be a big celebration. And so come on down, get get your copy, get a copy for your mom and your grandma. I had a woman at the Women's Expo stop. She was 94 years old, and she said, oh, I have to have that book. And I was yeah. like, you got it. <laughs> so you've, uh, you know, it's at the Her Story. It's three women. Yes. You've just listed out your mom or your grandma or whatever. But I imagine there's some good lessons in there for open-minded men. Oh, absolutely. Well, right? In fact, um, so I'm very involved with uh, Reality's Chance Rescued on a Pleasant Lake because that's the group that saved my Mustang that I have, Cinderella. Um, and so I've become involved with them. And I was just out there last week and the owner's husband was there and um, he enjoys my personality. And I had told him, I said, you need to read this book. And he goes, well, yeah, but, you know, there's three there's three women. And I said, no, there's good lessons for men. I said, if you want to understand women mm -hmm. a little bit more than you do, read this book. Because it really, it really does show how our minds work. 
most of everything I know about water has to do with Pleasant Lake. By oh, the really? Way. My yes, grandmother it's... owned a house on there for years. Oh, nice. And I yeah. grew up on that lake. So. Yeah, the re the Reality's Chance is just a brilliant place. Um, I didn't know anybody out there until um, this past just this past summer, and um, they invited me to come out and sell my books at one of their events and got to know the owner. And so then she approached me a little while after that. She was like, so I like your, I've read your stuff and I like your voice. How would you like to write a book for us about Thor? So they have a pair of Frisians out there. Like imagine middle ages, big, the big black war horses, mm -hmm. you know, um, and Thor is everybody's favorite. And so um, I ended up doing a project for them um, and wrote this little booklet, uh, Thor, the mighty Frisian, um, which it's kind of hard to see here, but it has, um, the artwork is actually the black horse standing like this in the superhero yeah. pose with his red cape and a seventh grade student, um, did the artwork for this cover. So, um, everything I make from this book goes back to the rescue, which is just very heartwarming for me to be able to, to give back. Cause I'm all about I'm all about giving back and helping people. Let's check out another book. Um, well, my first, I'll go back to um, the first novel that I actually took through the publishing is Flowers for Rodney. And um, so I've always been a writer. I've always written as long as I can remember. But I got real serious about my writing in 2006. I went through the Red Cedar Writing Project over at MSU. Yeah. And um, so I decided... I wonder if I could write a novel length. And so I started in 2008 with Nash, with NaNoWriMo. Um, it's an online group. They challenge you in November to write 50,000 words or more. And I did it in 2008. And I was like, woohoo. But nobody's read that. That's in a drawer somewhere. Um, but in 2009, I had Rodney. I could see this, this kid. I was teaching eighth grade. And... Um, that whole disconnect between adults and their teens is a very real thing. So I decided I needed to tell Rodney's story of what path was he going to choose for himself. Um, and he's gotten himself into trouble. And so it's told from his perspective and also from his mom's. And so this was my life dream of um, having a book on the shelves with my name on it as the author. And um, this, this gets used in a lot of high school classes, actually, because Rodney deals with um, the, the loss of not having his dad in his life. Um, his mother, Susan, kind of took her kids when they were young and ran from a very abusive relationship. So there's a lot of intense things in it, but it's mm -hmm. a very hopeful story. So do you, are you self-published? Do you have a publisher? Do you? Flowers for Rodney. Um, I published through, um, it used to be Create Space, which is now, it's now KDP publishing. Okay. Um, so that's how this one eventually was published. I wrote it in 2009. It wasn't published until 2014. Okay. Writing is hard. So, um, but then I've got at least 15 books. Yeah. I started, <laughs> I started one earlier just, this week. You just have to, you just have to finish it. Yeah. <laughs> but they said she was crazy was my second book, um, that was published. And this was actually picked up originally by a publishing company. Um, but now I have it 
through an, uh, just through independent okay. um, indie publishing. But this book, they said she was crazy. I wrote, it's the story of Mara um, who comes home and finds that her son Zane has died by suicide. And it is a fiction book, but I was able to write a lot of my connections with my son after I lost my son in 2010. Um, I have these beautiful connections with him. And so Mara, after Zane is gone, is trying to survive the unsurvivable. How do you survive the loss of a child? And, um, but she has connections with him. Like she can see him and sometimes, and he, he talks to her. And so she's not quite sure she wants to let go of that, even though her friends and parents are a little worried that perhaps she's yeah. off a rocker. But um, again, very intense subject matter. It's not about the suicide. It's about the aftermath. And this is the book that I just, it's, so incredible to me the number of people who have shared their stories and told me that there was one boy in particular um, whose teacher was using this book and he came up to her after school one day and he told her he said there's a lot of books about suicide but there aren't very many about what happens after and he's he told her i can't do this to my mom now he had planned on it, but after he read this, and it just gives me goosebumps when I think about it. And that's just one story in a hundred that I've heard. Um, but I, this is now one of my big pushes is for me to go, I go into schools, I've spoken to mental health awareness groups, suicide preventions groups. Um, I've done fundraisers for Ellie's Place and different places because we have to talk about these things. Yeah. And there's so many, adults that are, you know, oh, we can't talk about that, you know, oh, let's not talk, we don't want to talk, you know, birth control to kids, because then they're going to go out and have sex, they're already having sex, you know, we don't want to talk about suicide, because then it's going to make, no, it gives them a path to, you've got to get that stuff out. Um, and if they don't have a safe place to talk about it, they're gonna, they're gonna react one way or another. There's better ways than well, that knowledge and that information is the real power yes. of knowing, of being in a, a, put through a situation or presented with a situation that isn't real life. I yes. mean, it can be, but right. not for that reader and being able to help with the, I guess, the empathy, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's so many people said to me when i was i was you know teaching oh kids now these days they think they have problems they don't know what real problems are and i always countered with yes they do this the students that came to me like there's that's a whole that's 10 books you know the things that that we learn about our students and the the things they carry with them um into the classroom and how some of them it was just it was more it, just it made me so proud of them that some of them even made it to school, let alone cared at all about what was happening there because they had so much else going on. They have to have a safe place and a yeah. safe conversation. And um, these two books, I I just I absolutely love taking them into schools and, and talking to students and their parents. If the parents will be open to have that conversation. So, yeah, I'm uh, you recommended that I get the. Uh... They, they said, said she was, was crazy. crazy, so I am going to do yeah, that. Yeah, it's um, 
it's really powerful in the whole grief process. And I, yeah. I, I know that you're familiar with that. So we're in the same club. Yes. It is a horrible club to be in. Um, but if I have to be in it, the way that I have, the way that I dealt with it from the very day that I lost my son, um, is that I made sure my family and my support knew whatever I need to do to get through this is what I need to do. Don't tell me I have to, or um, the big thing that my counselor, um, that one of the counselors that I worked with, she's, they had the rule, don't should on yourself. You know, I should have done this. I should have done that. It, it leads down those rabbit holes that don't help anything, but it's such an easy spiral to get caught up in. And by writing this, it was very cathartic for me because I only recently started writing nonfiction pieces about my son and you know, what happened with him. Um, this book is still for people that are close that know me, this was hard for a lot of people because they know the, the real story. Um, but it was very helpful for me to write it. Very helpful for me to write it. Maybe I should write a book. Then. I absolutely. You never know when. Well, you're not healed. You don't really heal. No, it's right? it changes. Yeah. You know, people always say, you know, well, it 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 eventually it gets it gets better. And I always say it doesn't get better. It gets different. Um, the sharp, pointy moments are less often. They aren't every moment, every breath that you take but they're still there. They're, they're still, they're still in there. Just recently, um, I had, so I lost my son, um, in 2010. And then just two years ago in February, I lost my brother also to suicide. And that just, and I was already hanging by my fingernails because 2020 was going to be the 10 year marker that my son had been gone. So I could already feel myself starting to spin out towards the end of 2019. And then early 2020, my brother died and left behind this, his amazing wife and three, my three nephews just, and it's just, it set it all in the blender again. And um, so that, that was tough. But just a couple of weeks ago, it was like, coming up on two years. And I'm like, I got this. I got this. And I got through that day, but I got through it because I was like, eh, for now, we'll just let that go over there. And I just kind of skipped through life. And then the week after it was like, there it is. Yeah. But I know to give myself permission for those days. I mean, I do what I need to do, whether it's go for a walk or, you know, dance around the house with pink playing as loud as I can get my speakers to go. Um, or writing, I write through a lot. The writing really helps me. I write a lot about um, what happens inside here to help other people. I post things on my blog. So um, christineebricky.blogspot.com. Um, I'm currently writing a series um, because my, my friends basically told me I had to about, I'm calling it the emotional blog series. So I did a post about guilt because I got a little frustrated with so many people um, telling me they had to do something because they felt guilty if they didn't. 
and the people they had to do these things for were really not worthy of their kindness. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a really powerful post about guilt. And then I did one on shame and I've been told the next one, um, I need to do anger. So I'm like, oh, well, that'll be good. So, but I also am planning on doing one on joy. Um, actually, that's what I started working on this morning because I just recently, this past week, I had vivid dreams Sunday night about my son and I haven't had a dream about him in a long time. And at this point, it kind of hits me where I wake up and it took me a couple minutes and then I was like, oh, oh, hi, Robbie. Yeah, that was great. Like we spent that whole time together in the dream. And it's been like that each night where I've had really powerful dreams about um, my my son one night um, and my, my brother was in another dream and then um, a mentor that I lost um, a number of years ago who, who died by suicide as well. And he was, I was the only one who could see him. Like I was talking to him and people were looking at me and I'm like, oh, you're not really here. Okay, so we're gonna act like we're in, you know, but I was talking to him because it was my chance to talk to him. So I don't know if you have dreams about. I do, yeah. and they're gems. And it is, uh, I don't know, I guess, uh, you know, on the days that you're supposed to be sad and you're supposed to be doing these things and you're supposed to act these certain ways, I kind of look at those days as for other people. Mm -hmm. And my days are on my own terms because I found myself even, you know, the day that it happened, trying to take care of everybody else so it's okay don't tell me you're sorry yes you didn't do this mm -hmm. you know and then you know i was the one uh consoling everybody well you know it's interesting that you say that because um the day that my son died i had been out riding that morning with i had a beautiful morning with my son and i had gone riding with a friend of mine and um my son was supposed to meet us that afternoon to um, at the donkey rescue because we had decided we my son had actually said let's get a donkey to keep our horse company and I was like great and he wasn't answering his phone and so I went home and found found him and as you can imagine it was fairly traumatic um, and once things started rolling um, I was basically out of my front driveway on my knees just keening i just remember the screaming and there was a young deputy standing there and, and i remember thinking oh you poor guy like oh you know i'm sorry you have to be here but he commented later to a friend of mine how shocking it was to him that as soon as people showed up when um my son's dad got there i instantly got up to help him and he commented to her later, he said, even as lost as she was, she she did that. And that's what people tell me happened at the visitation as well. Like I would just be lost, but there were so many students and things because my son went to, to Mason where I worked as well. And it's just that kicks in, you that need to take care of other people. Yeah. So last year, uh, we had a bunch of questions that were kind of formatted and all of that. And I, I quit doing it in this season, but I want to go back to one. Okay. What, what gives you hope? Oh, it's every day things give me hope. Um, the dreams that I have, right. Those make me hopeful. Um, 
I have um, hawks. I have a connection with hawks with my son. And so like a hawk will show up, like one swoop right down in front of my kitchen window the other day, sat in the the snowball bush right outside my, my kitchen window and just hung out with me for a bit. Um, I mean, days like today where it's sunny and you can feel spring coming, um, spending time with my horse, with friends, like there's so many things that can bring us, bring you hope. You, you have to be open to them, but I think you have to be open to everything. Um, I don't run from my grief. I don't hide from it. And I know a lot of people that do, um, and whatever they have to do to, to manage their grief, that's, that's up to them. But for me, I, I roll with the punches, so to speak. And, um, I just, I write and I, I lose myself in other people's writing. Um, there's, there's so many things to be hopeful yeah. for. I mean, sometimes it's just finding a sharp pencil, like, yay. You know, that gratitude for the simple things. Yes. Powerful, super powerful. Um, as our club gets bigger, the club yes. we don't want to be in. Yes. Uh, I mean, with the isolation that COVID brought, we've seen Whew. increases that was tough. in mental health um, uh, or unhealthy. Yes, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, and we've seen increases in overdose deaths and we've seen increases in gun violence deaths. Yes. And it seems like, you know, it's backwards, right? Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be us that go first, not yes. uh, our young people. And what, as this club is getting bigger, what's something that not the people that are in the club, but the community maybe could do something to help the club oh. a little bit better? Well, I know in Mason, my community, what I would love to see are more events where people can get together and just have an open forum open it up in our schools where they bring people in who've been there, done that and give students a place to, whether it's paint or, or write, or just talk. Um, Rita Vogel, who's my, um, my manager, um, she is in charge of creative collective and she mm -hmm. had an event last May really focusing on mental health awareness and that you are not alone was, was the name of the event. And it was, it was beautiful. And there were so many people there. Um, there was a table of um, women sitting in the front who, as I was reading and, and sharing, they, they, I mean, tears were just streaming. I, and I don't know who they were, um, but they, they, they needed that. They needed that connection. Um, our communities need to have more just more open, more inclusive, less judging, you know. Connections, the opposite of everything. Absolutely. Bad that can it's, it's what, it's really what's, what saves me every day is my, my support system that I have um, and being able to, to fall down and know that you're not going to stay down. That's, that's one thing that I really try and get across to, especially young adults. Yes, this moment feels like it's never going to stop hurting, but it will. If you just pause, take a breath, it, it will ease. It will ease. 
Yeah. All right. One more thing. Are you broken? Um, I like to compare myself to a vase that was smashed into tiny pieces and then got glued back together and um, with beautiful glue, gold, silver, you, whatever. And it's, like it's the Japanese stronger. Do, the Japanese do that. Yep. I read that somewhere and I was like, that's it. That's, that's what, especially um, losing a child. It's, it's, you're not supposed to say goodbye to your kids. And um, so I, I would say, yeah, I was broken, but I'm, str I'm stronger now because of it. Helping other people makes me stronger. And I would give the same answer. We're yeah. not broken. Nope. We're not broken because this happened to us. And I think people feel, you know, oh, that's what happened to him. That's why he's so weird or whatever. <laughs> I've been weird for a <laughs> well, long time. Well, that's where the title they said she was crazy came from because I know there was a lot of people like, oh, and I'm like, you know what? There's nothing wrong with being a little crazy. I taught middle school for crying out loud. So you have to be a little crazy. <laughs> so uh, hope comes from this desperation, right? If you didn't have this no hope, you wouldn't need this hope, right? Yes. And the Russians say hope is the last to die. Not that I support you right now. Yeah. But yeah. Putin, Putin. Whatever your name is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so thank you for showing us a path to hope and talking about your story. Oh, and, thank you for having me. This is, uh, I won't so apologize important. for all of the tragedy because I know that tragedy is an engine for you. Yes. So it, I'm grateful yeah. that you have that engine and I wish it would be a different path. I, yes. But here we are. Yes, we are. So thank you. Anything else you'd like to say? Uh, I'll see you on Wednesday, March 9th where you can get your copy of Fuck It, I'm 50 and um, hear me read from it and uh, listen to some other amazing, talented local artists. And buy a signed copy. Buy a signed of copy of, of all four. four of my books. Support the rescue. Yeah. All right, y'all. That's another every damn day. We love you very much. And we'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. See you later.